0: Good morning. Good morning. Greet each one in Christ's precious name this morning. Wonderful words of life. We've gathered to hear those wonderful words of life that um, that God has for us again this morning. Front rows do seem empty without the youth here. So, youth, if you're watching this, we miss you. Uh, also just wanted to note that Lyle and uh, Lyle and his family are at Bethel this morning for, that, for the ordination there, and Kendall's are in Iowa for an ordination, so uh, we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting us, you're welcome. Worship with us. Let's bow our heads for prayer as we look into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and uh, as we gather around your Word, this wonderful Word that you have preserved from uh, the time of its writing so that we can be encouraged and, and learn of you. We ask, Lord, that you be in our midst. We're confident that you are, by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning. Use the words, Lord, though from feeble, a feeble man, that you would use those words to, to edify, we pray. Give you honor and glory. Be with those that are gathered in Elkhart at Bethel this morning, across the world, Nicaragua, wherever they are. Believe that you would be present there, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, my message is titled The Five Tests of Joseph. And um, as I was preparing, I, uh, just looking back over my last several messages, Um, including the one I had two weeks ago in Nicaragua, uh, I realized that my theme seems to be tests and trials. So um, I hope that doesn't um, in some way discourage you. Um, And then as I was thinking about it, I found myself, I feel unqualified. The amounts of tests and trials I've went through are are not anything compared to some that are, others are facing today. So I don't, I don't come to you as qualified. I just this is a word that, that, um, that I feel have led maybe in the things that I've been listening to or reading have been have felt led to share this morning. Two weeks ago in in Nicaragua, I, intending to encourage the congregation there, I shared that you know mainstream Christianity has this idea that if you come to Jesus, then your life will all of a sudden be just grand, and everything will go well, and that's not the truth. Life will not necessarily be easy when we follow Christ. God requires purity and humility and, and, and commitment, endurance, perseverance, and sometimes those come uh, in the hard times of our lives, and that's in the times when he's developing us is in those times. And in my last message here at Sandy Ridge, it was the test of waiting, waiting on God. And in that, in that time of waiting, we're, we're praying and we're, we're preparing and we're plugging into our local body, the church, in that time of waiting. It's a test that he puts us through. This morning, I'd like to look a bit at the life of Joseph, compare the testings that Joseph endured to the testings that we also uh, face Joseph's faithfulness as he responded to those tests that God was sending it's recorded in their scripture your 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 life and my life we're still in process our story hasn't been written but his is for our for our for us to read and uh, sometimes the things that we go through I find myself sometimes we're, you know you, you're in the midst of something and you don't you're wondering why why god is what's what's going on we need to realize that life is either a test or a reward either we're being rewarded for something or we're in it in the middle of a test and god wants to see how we respond it may be something hard it may be it may be painful it may be it may be poverty but not necessarily our test may be maybe we're in affluence many in this area, in northern Indiana, that may be the, the test. And in, in times of adversity and hardship, and in times of plenty, God is seeing. He requires something of His people. That requirement is faithfulness, and that is the test that we face. I'd like to read this morning, to begin with, thinking of faithfulness in Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, verse 8. There we find the, the letter to the churches. And um, as I was studying and, and preparing this, just the letter that he wrote to the, that Jesus spoke to the, to the church of Samarina, uh struck me this morning. And I'd like to just touch on that briefly before we get into uh, the tests of Joseph. Faithfulness in the midst of our trials. Revelations 2.8. i make a couple of comments as we go into this. Just several verses here. And the angel of the church of Smyrna write, "These, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Jesus is saying, I know the hard times you're going through. And what you lack in temporal things... You're rich in spiritual things. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, for none of those things which, they shall, which thou shalt suffer, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And this is the verse that struck me. He says here that um, fear none of those things. We can understand that. God is on our side. He says, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. And as I pondered on that, There, is a, there are times when the hard times come on us and we feel like God has somehow put us in this situation. And they may have felt like God had abandoned them and, and put them in. But it says that the devil was doing this. The devil is the one that's casting us into this prison. Not, maybe not him physically. Maybe it's the judges or the, the magistrates or the officers, but... He's behind it. He's the driving force behind it. It's a really important point here. When we think about the concept of trials and testings and the results of betterment of the believer, this is a truth we need to. This, this is a truth we need to understand that the thought of that the devil was the one that was casting them into prison. I'd like to pause just a moment here and, and, and clarify a little bit the thought process that, that in this. Because I think it reflects on the rest of the message and how we perceive what the trials that we're going through. God doesn't throw me in my trial, into my prison. God may allow those difficulties, but the devil brings the hardship and the prison and the persecution. It's a really important point. Mornings when I drive to work, early in the morning, there's a there's a program on, on BBN. At five forty-five, you may be familiar with it. It's called Christian Classics. It's a book, It's it's basically a book being read chapter by chapter every morning, and um, in this past week, two weeks, uh, the book that's being read is written by a man by the name of Dave, Dave durvacki And uh, I remember the name Dave Dravecki from the 80s. He was a, a Major League Baseball pitcher, and I just I remember that name, uh, d- didn't know, don't know much about him, but Dave Dravecki was a, a pitcher that ended up with a cancerous tumor in his pitching arm, and they did surgery on it, he had a, a major comeback, and uh, pitched again in the Major Leagues, but then it came back, and he eventually, his arm actually broke. And the final result was that they ended up amputating his arm, took it completely off. And, and that's this book that they're reading is uh, about his experience and how he um, tries to encourage people. And I'd like to read something from, from the book. It's not word for word, but it's, my, it's, uh, it's uh, the way I remember it, the way he was saying it. This is what he said about about, uh, trial, this trial. Asking the why questions isn't necessarily wrong. The Bible has a number of prominent men that ask why. Job, he was a perfect man. Upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. One that God said there is none on the earth like him. Listen to what Job asked God. In Job 10, he says, your hands fashioned me and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. That's the ESV. Job was, was questioning God. You made me, now why are you now destroying me? And David, man after God's own heart, how, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy exalt over me? He was asking God that question. Many times people acknowledge that the, the result of tragedy, and, he, and Dave in, in, in the book reads a number of, of letters that he received because of his trials. People would write, in, write him letters and say, I don't understand why God took my dad at such an early age or, or I, I developed this disease and, and I don't know why God did that to me. And they're questioning God. But in the end, they often they say, but I'm still grateful because it brought me closer to God. So they're recognizing the result of, of the trial, but what they're struggling with is where that trial came from, the purpose of it. He was saying that many times people acknowledge the result of a tragedy or hardship that brings them closer to God. They might say, I struggled with what God brought into my life, But looking back, I see it was for my good. Then he says, let's not confuse the results with the purpose or the reason. And the verse that he quoted was in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. He says, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of compassion. Excuse me, the the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we might be able to comfort them which are in, in, in any trouble. But the comfort we're with, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. So He's a compassionate God, He's a He's a comforting God, He's a merciful God. That's who God is. And Dave went on to say, if we turn things around and say that the good that comes from suffering is the reason for our suffering. We confuse the results with the purpose of suffering. We confuse the character of God. If we get this wrong, our view of God, Dave is saying, is not a father of all compassion, but he's the father of all chastisement. Not the God of comfort, but the God of all troubles that troubles us in our comfort. Do you see the shift that happens when we we start saying God brings the... The thing he allows, no doubt, but is he the one that puts us in our trial and our testing? That was a new way for me to, for me to think about this. Our view of God affects every area of our life how we raise our families, how we, how we worship, how we live, how we pass on our faith, on and on. God is sovereign and he does rule the world. He made and rules the world. He doesn't give disease and death. He allows it. Why? We don't know. We don't understand that all the time. But the results we see is that God, when God is involved, when we go through trials, it's a total different outcome from, from when we don't involve God. All of that to make the point in Revelations 2.10 that the devil will bring evil upon our heads. How will I respond when he does that? What will be my response to to my trial? Will I faithfully cling to God, the, the God of all mercies and all comfort, all compassion? Joseph, what a man of God. He endured multiple tests and trials till one day God said, I'm taking you out of the dungeon and putting you into the palace. I'd like to look at some of those trials. And as we do, consider your own life, I consider my life, what's God working at in me at this point? The first test of Joseph was a test of time. It's similar to the test of waiting. God develops things, qualities in me over a period of time. It causes us to wait. And as we wait, we pray and we pray. Prepare our hearts for God's answer. God is not in a hurry, but he's always on time. Joseph had dreams as a young man, literally had dreams, not just goals, but he had, he had dreams. Do you think he forgot those dreams? When he, was in, when he was in Egypt, do you think he forgot those dreams? I don't think he did. His brothers didn't. And now here, here he is in Egypt. All those dreams seem to be impossible to come to pass. How will it ever happen now? It's his trial. He's in a, a period of time from his boyhood to a grown manhood that he's waiting for God to, to bring those dreams to, to pass. And he's waiting and he's waiting and not sure what's going to happen. It's a test. And maybe you've claimed a promise of God in your life. But you're waiting and you're praying and it's not happening. It's a test of time. Isaiah 40 verse 31, it's a familiar verse. We we hear it quoted often. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a waiting on the timing of God. Don't jump the line. Don't settle for less. God uses the test of time. And He wants to see His work perfected in us. And if we jump the line, we miss that blessing. It's a, the part of that work is patience. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect entire, wanting nothing. James 1, 3 and 4. It is the test of time. Joseph had, he had years of testing before it made sense. Are you frustrated with God's timing? Are you frustrated with the amount of time that it takes, the test of time in your life? When will this ever come around? Take comfort that it will in God's time, He will answer and He will be there. It's a test of how I respond to time. Number two was a test of faith. When everything inside of us cries, where is God now? Our faith has been shaken. It's being shaken. In the hardest, in the darkest moments, God seems far away. He feels far away. And then we realize we cannot, we dare not trust our feelings. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for thou art with me. God is is with us. Joseph had those times. When everything seemed to be out of control, in in, uh, Genesis 37, matter of fact, I'm going to read out of Genesis 37 a little bit in in Joseph's life. Genesis 37, he, um, thinking of his life being out of control and, and needing faith that God is in control, He had been sent out to, to check on his brothers. His brothers were herding sheep. His dad sends him out to, to check on his brothers. And he discovers that they've, they aren't where they're supposed to be. They've moved on to, to Dothan in verse 17. Uh, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. And the man said, they they have departed hence. I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, here is, he finds them. And this is how they respond to that. They saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them. They conspired against him to slay him. How much faith would it take to live through this type of Of of, uh, relationships and they said one to another behold the dreamer cometh come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into a pit and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall we shall see what cometh what will become of those dreams then we will see what will become of his dreams and Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said let's not kill let us not kill him And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him. He said that, that he might rid him out of their hands and deliver him to his father again. That's the reason that Reuben had said, let's just throw him into a pit. And it came to pass when Joseph came unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat their bread. Here they had just conspired to murder, then decided just to throw them in a pit. But they sat down for their lunch, hard. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gil- Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah, and Judah said unto his brethren, What profiteth what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, and our flesh, and his brethren and his brethren were content. And then passed by the Midianite merchantmen. These were following with the Ishmaelites. And they drew and lifted Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Times when it makes no sense what's happening to our lives. We're in a, we're, our, test, our faith is being tested. He finds, Joseph finds himself in a foreign land, ungodly land, ungodly people. Chained, sold as a slave. I can imagine his doubts might have tried to come into his mind, doubts. Rejected and hated of his brothers. It was a test of faith. Do I believe that God is there when I cannot see Him, when I cannot, see, when I cannot figure out what His plan might be? God wants us to know that He is with us. He wanted us to know that He was with Joseph in, in chapter 39 twice, in the time when He was thrown into the pit, in the time when He was, when he was sold as a slave. In both of those times, the Scriptures say that, that God was with Him. It mentions both of those times. Our feelings, we may not feel that God is near, but our feelings must fail in order for our faith to grow. I choose to believe even though I don't feel it. In 1 Peter it says, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory of the appearing of of Jesus Christ. Maybe our faith is small. Maybe it's just a little faith. And maybe the fire is big. The trial is big. But it can't take away that faith. Gold, literal gold, it takes 1,948 degrees to melt gold. That's how hot the fire has to be. But gold doesn't disappear. The gold just becomes liquid. It's still there. And our faith is the same way. When we allow the, the trials of faith, the trials of life to, to melt our faith, it will survive. I mean, it will be more pure when it comes out. And when it does, when it comes out more pure, it's the very thing that saves us at the appearing of Christ. That's what 1 Peter says, that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Joseph never gave up on God. He never gave up. He trusted God. His his faith went through the fire and it became more pure. That's test number two. Test number three is purity. 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 In a day and age like today, this is one of the greater tests that we may face as men especially. Not just men, though. This is for everyone. Joseph fled temptation. He didn't flirt with temptation. He fled from temptation. Too many times we want to flirt with temptation. Just get as close to the line as we can. That's a dangerous place to be. It's not a good plan. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lusts follow-after righteousness, faith and charity and peace. With them that the Lord hath called out of a pure heart. And in, in another verse in, in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation and charity and spirit and faith in purity. Purity is a test that God puts us through. We're not strong enough to mess with with sin. I remember as a youth being up in, in the old church house, up in that top landing, and uh, the, we were going through Proverbs, and it impressed me then, and it still does today. In Proverbs 4.14, it says, enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil, uh, in, in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not. by it, turn from it, pass not, uh, pass away. In other words, and, and I remember in that lesson, we learned that don't even go on the other side of the street and walk past it. Turn and go the opposite way from evil. Don't try don't think I can just squeeze past it. No. You go the other way. Pass not by it, turn from it, pass away. Joseph had every opportunity. She was inviting him. She was probably beautiful. She was inviting him. But there was an an a God-honoring inner strength that God put there in Joseph that he would not do it. He went to prison. This is, not, this is not original with me, some of these things that I'm going to say just now about going to prison. But I was impressed by it. Joseph went to prison instead of committing to sin. Falsely accused, yes. But it was prison nonetheless. He experienced prison before he went to God before God took him to the palace. And this is the deal. Purity is a prison. Follow me here. We need to put restrictions on ourselves in order to maintain purity. We voluntarily restrain ourselves. We put bars around our eyes. We put bars around our hearts and our minds in order to, be, to remain pure. Pure. To put ourselves in prison. You may, not, you may not like that idea. You may resent the thought of purity being a, re- a prison. Everyone wants to walk in purity, but we don't like the prison. That is the price. Purity requires restrictions. If we want purity, but we don't like the prison, I don't want anyone to tell me what I can or cannot do. That's the attitude we come with. I want to look. This is the flesh speaking. I want to look. I want to do. I want to follow whoever and whatever I want to. I have that freedom. I want to do what pleases me. I resent the very thought of restrictions, of prison. If we give our flesh no boundaries... If we, if we have no restriction, no prison, then we'll never, never walk in purity. It's a test of purity. Am I willing to die to myself, to my desires, to my flesh, in order to please God? Part of the test of purity, having a pure mind and heart, is this. I have to put myself into this prison. I don't look the second time, men. Men. I don't read those kinds of books. I don't go to those kinds of places. I don't watch those kinds of things. Those are the the restrictions. Those are the prison that we put ourselves into. That's what Joseph did. And you may very well be accused, if you live that way, of being legalistic. Oh, you're just legalistic. No, not necessarily. I want to pass the test of purity. God's test of purity, and it demands boundaries. There's no other way. When we we fail to put ourselves in our own voluntary prison, eventually we'll fall into a prison of some sort. We'll be forced into that prison by addictions and by failed relationships and debt and all other sorts of things that come with failure to do it on our own. Joseph didn't want to go to prison, but for the sake of purity, he chose that over sin. How does that translate to us today? How, how, does that, how does the rubber meet the road for us today? If I want to pass this test, I must put myself in a prison. If that's too, legal, if that's too legalistic, if that's too, if that's too restrictive... then you'll never walk in purity. You'll struggle with purity, but you'll never walk in it. Imposing restrictions on my liberties. It's a a paradox. When we place ourselves in our prison, now we're free to do everything. We live in freedom. Galatians 5.13, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty, only use not the liberty... For an occasion to the flesh. The test of purity. Joseph passed that test. Am I passing the test of purity? Number four. Was a test of offenses. The test of forgiveness. Joseph faced rejection. He, he faced rejection from his brothers every day. It says in, in Genesis where it talks about his brother hating him. It says that, then all his brethren they hated him and could not speak peaceably, but uh, could not speak peaceably unto him. Every day that he was with them, they were snipping and sniping at him. Meanness every day. Joseph must have been a forgiving person. All the things that they did to him, ultimately selling him, every act of violence, throwing him into a pit. They weren't careful. They didn't just easily let him down. They threw him in there, then selling him. All those compounded offenses, and yet he, he, he didn't hold it against them. How does one deal with that kind of hatred and that kind of bitterness? It's a test of forgiveness. God doesn't place us in those situations necessarily, but we may find ourselves in that situation. And that's where the test begins. How will I respond to those situations? Those rejections, the pain of rejection often is so difficult and so hard because it comes from those that are closest to us, our friends and our family, which makes the most sense because we're interacting with those the most. It's the most opportunities to be, to be hurt by their words and by their actions. Promises are broken, boundaries are crossed. But God is calling us to forgive. Mark 11 25, and when you stand praying, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, if you stand praying, forgive that if you have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. The test of forgiveness, the test of offenses, Jesus was rejected, Joseph was rejected, and they forgave. You cannot be fruitful if you do not forgive. It's one of the tests. Forgiveness is a huge topic. There could be a whole message on forgiveness. It doesn't mean that I minimize what happened. It doesn't mean that I overlook what they did or what they said. I don't have to blame myself for what they did. I don't have to wait for an apology before I forgive. Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. There were were no, there was none of those soldiers had come and asked for his forgiveness, but he said, Father, forgive them before they ever apologized. Forgiveness is releasing the past so that it doesn't taint my future. Joseph released the past, but he didn't forget. But he released the past, he forgave. In Genesis 50, When they all were there before him now, and they were wanting the food that he was able to provide, he said, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass this day, as it is this day, to save much people. Joseph forgave way back. He forgave them because he knew God was working. It was a test of forgiveness. When we forgive each other, when we choose to forgive And release the prisoner. We often find that we ourselves were the prisoner. That prisoner was me. When I when I lived in unforgiveness, it was me. And for the Christians, there's another side of the coin. If you have offended, maybe you're the offender. You need to go. Scripture tells us that we need to go and make that thing right. It's a part of the test of offenses. God doesn't use us until he trusts us. And he doesn't trust us until he tests us. Joseph had zero bitterness in his heart. And, when, and we, when we fail to forgive, then bitterness comes in and a root of bitterness springs up. We may smile on the outside, but on the inside, we're boiling. We're not passing the test. We're not passing the test. What grade would you give yourself on the grade on the forgiveness scale. That's test number four. Test number five was diligence. Pharaoh noted that wherever Joseph was, things were prospering. Joseph, no doubt, he had abilities, he had he had godly wisdom, but he also was diligent in what he was doing. God's spirit was with him. And here's the lesson for today. Don't wait, don't wait for another season of life to put your all into to what you're doing, to give your best. Maybe this is not a good season of life, but give it your best. Do your best in the season you're in right now. Too many times we wait to give our best. We don't apply ourselves to the task. If you're an employer, and a number of you are employers here today, if you have one employee that he just puts his head down, and he works as hard as he can. He may be on the low end of the pay scale. And then beside him is another guy that's saying, you know what, I, I'm going to wait until you guys give me the raise that I think I deserve, and then I'll put my best forward. Who's going to get the raise? It's the, guys that, it's the guy that's diligent. Someone has called, called this the destination disease. I'm not going to be diligent until life treats me right. I'm not going to change my bad habits until and they put some sort of perimeter on it. I'm not going to worry about being a godly person until I find the right person to marry. Then I'll change. They put these perimeters around it. I'm not going to be a faithful member at my church until they change some things. That's destination disease. I'm not going to change until someone else changes something else. What did Joseph do? He was diligent in every area of his life. Even in the prison, he became the prison warden because he was so diligent. Luke 16.10, he that is faithful in that which is least, the very least, he is faithful also in much. Someone that is diligent, that passes the test of diligence, is diligent in the very little that he has. Don't wait for greener pastures. Don't wait for greener pastures to apply yourself. The greener may never come. We're not promised tomorrow. Don't wait to be kind. Don't wait to forgive. Don't don't wait to be diligent to make things right. You may not have a second chance. Circumstances fail us. But God uses those circumstances as tests, ways of testing us in in a variety of ways. If we look at Joseph, Every season of his life, from his, from his boyhood, even all the way through his life as an adult, God was testing, trying, and he was passing those tests. And then God used him in a powerful way. This is what, this is what the scriptures say about Jacob, about Joseph. Jacob's final words about his son Joseph in Genesis 49, It says, Joseph is a fruitful, a fruitful bough. Even a fruitful bough by the well whose branches run over the wall. And as you get that picture, Joseph, because he was faithful, his branches didn't just spread up, they went over the wall and affected other. It's To me, that's a sign of he was affecting other people. He was going out beyond himself and affecting other people because of his faithfulness. He was diligent in what he did. Five tests that Joseph was in. Test of time, test of faith, test of purity, test of forgiveness or offenses, test of diligence. Diligence is allowing God to flow through me by being a blessing to others, even in the hard times. May the Lord add his blessings. Let's, let's stand for prayer. Lord, you, you've been faithful. You, you, you put us to the test because you love us. And we're your children. We're your adopted children. And we're grateful, Lord, that you, you care about us. You care about how we respond to those trials and tests that come our way. Help us, Lord, to be like Joseph. And look past our own selves. And, and look to you. And, and that our faith would grow that our endurance would grow, that we would forgive when we need to. And in all of that, we would become stronger and more prosperous for the kingdom's sake. Would you help us, Lord? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe may be seated.